Hello and welcome to Movie Go Round, or Moon Go Round is what we're going to be calling it now in, <laughs> in, in light of this wonderful episode. The film podcast that rotates between different themes every week on a five-week schedule. This week's theme is You Did This To Us. Hello, everybody. My name is Brett Stewart. Joining me for this episode of Moon Go Round, this brand new podcast that only includes this, the movie Moon, uh, Moon, Moon Dance. No, that's not a movie. That's a production studio. Uh, Moonstruck is a movie. If you have any other moon movies you want us to watch, this is now what we're going to focus on exclusively. Uh, Nicole Davis. Yeah. Welcome to Moon Go Round. Oh, thank you. I'm petitioning for Iron Sky, the movie with the moon Nazis. Yeah, that's a good you did this to us. <laughs> Do that to us, people. Uh, David Luzader, welcome to Moon Go Round. Uh, thank you. I'm, I'm just here to talk about um, that it's finally about time that we get some attention to megastructures because I've been talking about them for years, as anyone <laughs> who knows me knows. And, I, and I'm just, I'm really ready to dive into the truth that is out there. Ah, yes, the truth. I thought you were going to argue that we need to give more attention to, you know, that poor unsung hero, Elon Patrick Musk. Wilson? Oh. oh my god. <laughs> oh, the the giant man crush that apparently Roland Emmerich has on Elon Musk <laughs> made me so uncomfortable in this movie, mostly because I just really dislike Elon Musk. I mean, I mean really, um, if you think about it, Patrick Wilson looks kind of like Elon Musk. No. <laughs> you know, a little, you know, if you squint. I don't know. If you squint, <laughs> turn your head away from the screen. Well, you know what? Uh, we watched a movie that involved a moon, if you haven't gathered that. And it was You Did This To Us. Uh, you Did This To Us has its own website now, which is really cool. You did this to us.com. If you want to follow along for opportunities to vote, you can do it there. You can also follow us on Facebook and on Twitter. Uh, something else we're also doing, and I'm going to throw this out to the audio listeners, is that we're, we're starting to make some changes with movie go round. And we'll have stuff to announce in the near future. But something that we've been doing was adding some of our friends of the show to a discord and that's still very much in a pilot stage and we spent half of this afternoon talking about moons in it but if you are a listener who would like to join that section of our discord and talk with us and our friends hit one of us up let us know on social media we will add you we'll we'll broaden that tent at some point but if you would like to get manually added uh, and talk with us about these movies we would love to talk to you there and while we're on the topic of announcements guys what's happening next month is it fourth year in a row i think so i believe it is yeah i think so wow that's right yeah it's not fifth because we started i think in november of 2017 so we had just missed october right it's movie ghoul round everybody it is coming back this year with five episodes coming out throughout october that are going to be all halloween themed for the entire cycle all the way from new to two through you did this to us meaning that speaking of you did this to us there will be an opportunity to vote in the very near future for a halloween spooky thriller themed you did this to us so be sure to keep an eye out for that and along those lines next week is october we're, we're getting right up to the gun right here on october david you are kicking off you did this to us i'm sorry not you did this to us movie ghoul round you can't do it to us two weeks in a row i'm sorry i'm tired i need a refractory period <laughs> uh david you are kicking off movie ghoul round with is. a new to two next week a halloween film neither myself nor nicole have ever seen what are we watching 
Yes. So you two watch a lot more horror than I do, as people have probably gathered over the years. So finding a movie that you two haven't seen that falls in the category of horror is very difficult for me. (laughs) But I managed to find one that it's horror. It's right up there on that edge of horror, I would say. Um, It is the movie Goosebumps, the, the one with Jack Black in it. I don't know. It should, be, I, it should be a good time. I enjoyed the movie well enough. It's not super deep, but I yeah. think it'll be a fun discussion. It's hard. It's not aimed at adults primarily, but it doesn't mean adults can't enjoy it. But also, like, given the fact that I grew up reading those books, you know, they at least like they seem to acknowledge that a little bit in the movie, I'll say. Oh, yeah. Goose, Goosebumps was huge when I was a kid as well. And am I reading this right on the cast that Jack Black plays R.L. Stein? Oh, yes. And meanwhile, R.L. Stein plays Mr. Black? So, well, <laughs> all right. That's a little cameo at the end of the movie there. But yes, uh, the movie exists in a world in which R.L. Stein has written Goosebumps. I will say that much. I love it. I want our listeners to know that much to the chagrin of my friends, my current character in our D&D campaign is beloved youth novelist R.L. Stein. Oh, and that's what our dungeon master has to say every time he calls my name out. So um, I'm in the mood for this and they all hate me. But let's talk about Moonfall. Do we have to? It came out this year. <laughs> I think it might be the most recent movie we've seen. You know, we've said that like three times in the last two months, so. We have. <laughs> Eventually, we're going to like, we're going to all three see a movie in theaters together and then just sit down and start recording. Yes. I feel like we could do that, right? Like, uh, there's, day, there's some yeah. stuff out. Uh, so, uh, Moonfall came out this year. The moon is getting closer to Earth and no one knows why. How can we stop it? We don't know, but Halle Berry, Patrick Wilson, and that gentle guy from Game of Thrones who probably lives through the entire series are going to figure it out. Ugh. Spoiler alert, Samwell does not die. It's been a while. If you didn't know that, not on you uh, or not on us. So why do bad movies happen to good people? Why <laughs> Why is Roland Emmerich allowed near a production studio anymore? Because it's Roland Emmerich. Like, like, you know what? I will say, I mean, this was bad. Do not get me wrong. This was a bad film with bad science and bad script. Hot, hot take from Nicole coming in. <laughs> <laughs> Take this movie was bad. No, but but it was more fun to watch than I was expecting in its badness. Yeah, entertaining. Yes. No, it's going like you have to be prepared for that. It is entertaining. I mean, Nicole. Yes. You mentioned something to us when we started watching this, and and I just couldn't stop thinking about it, which was that. The dialogue sounds like it was translated from another language into English. And that so perfectly encapsulates just how stilted and weird Mm. the dialogue of this movie is. Like half of our discussion topics are just quotes from the movie. Yeah. Right. It's it's (laughs) bizarre to watch people say these words. That's for her. (laughs) Floor it before we get sucked up. Oh, my gosh. Oh my God! There is a just and, and and this movie doesn't even attempt at no point to build its characters at all. I think you put that in our docket as well, Nicole. No. And so, literally, I got like an hour and a half into this movie, and I was like, "Was I introduced to Michael Pena?" 
(laughs) Because he just shows up and is apparently like an integral part of this story. And I don't know where he's from. And maybe it's because at that point I had already disassociated entirely. But I cannot remember the point at which this movie introduces Michael Pena for the life of me. Well, it's okay because I would say his introduction to the film is about as as exciting as his death is oh uh, in the movie, <sighs> in which, hey, you go on ahead. I'm just going to lay down here and die. It's pretty much that scene. It's the saddest death. I, and not sad as in like weeping sad, just sad as in pathetic. Did it occur to no one to do like that scuba sharing thing with them? No. The oxygen mask. No, you have, you have one. We have you have one option. <laughs> Take all the oxygen or die. So wait, are the only two characters that died are Michael Pena and Nicole? You mentioned black guy dies first. I actually don't remember who that is in the sh- in the movie. In the very opening, when they're repairing a satellite. Oh yeah, sure. Talking about when they're when they're discussing Toto. Toto's Africa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This movie opens on astronauts quipping each other about Toto. miss the rains down in Africa. The lyrics are, I bless the rains down in Africa. What? No, they're not. Uh, yes, they are. It makes even less sense. Well, I should know, because I karaoke it at my wedding. Ah, well, I must have missed that. I was in the zone, tearing it up on the dance floor. Well, and don't forget the second set of astronauts that go to launch the probe and get spiked in the face. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, No, this movie was kind of a fever dream. And I just don't remember characters being introduced or why, to be totally honest. And I know it's not something you're supposed to say (laughs) as the host of a movie podcast. But at no point was I engaged enough to know anything about these characters. Like, Patrick Wilson's character has a son. And I, they're playing the son off to be what? What's his name? 14. What's his name, Brett? Oh, Greg. Uh, his, did the son have a name? Does yeah. he have a name in the movie? Yeah. His name is Sonny. Oh, that's right. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> that's how much effort went into character building and naming in this film. So his name is Sonny. <laughs> and I I think they say he's 14 in his trial for no. like driving under the influence. No. No, I think, I think he's seventeen. Do. He was supposedly? he was arrested for speeding. I mean, he's okay. supposed to be a teenager. He does not look like a teenager. Like I will give you that. No, much. he doesn't. And that's why there's this hilarious scene where the kid is is talking to Patrick Wilson. He's like, "But Dad, you hate NASA. Why would you try to save the world?" And Patrick Wilson just tells him, "I want you to have a world you can grow up in." Just to his completely brain dead son that looks like he's twenty seven. And why aren't you letting your hatred of NASA keep you from trying to save the planet? Yeah, why are you trying to save everyone dead? Nothing in that exchange rings true to me. I mean, the the son character. Oh boy, talk about let's talk about side plots. He's doing what he can, I think. Is he? Uh I mean, like so <laughs> I mean there's of? a whole there's a whole side plot where following the son. Well, the two sons, because it's him and then Halle Berry's son. Right. And there's also the uh, the Chinese nanny, who is definitely not just there uh, for the Chinese market at all. No, no. Oh, no, totally and, not, even though she's a singer in China. Yeah, who at first I did not think was Halle Berry's um, partner. 
because that's oh, right. totally <laughs> what she appears to be at right. the start of this movie. Yeah, she could. And they are just they are going from place to place, trying not to get blown up by the moon, and acting like, oh, this is mildly inconvenient. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So let's let's talk about that. This movie. There are so many people dying. Yeah. And David, you put in our docket, everyone is so unaffected by the world ending and billions of people dying. They, they uh, watch the, the most insane things happen and they're just like, huh. Yeah, no one cares. <laughs> everyone is completely apathetic to what is happening around them. They know they have to stop the, the, the moon, but aside from that, they are completely apathetic. At no point is there even a single character that has someone they know being affected by massive tragedy no uh, yeah uh, i think the closest hmm. they get is sam i'm just gonna call him sam i don't know what his real name is in this movie the guy that plays sam in game of thrones is here kc houseman all right his mother is like wheeled off by an aide in an old folks home yeah. she has dementia and it seems like there's something going on around her because there's there's flashing lights and police sirens so maybe she's potentially kind of affected by this but at no point does anyone else in this movie know someone or have any emotional resonance with the mass destruction of the world yeah yeah <laughs> it's, it's pretty fair it's pretty fair in terms of the mass destruction no one's like, yeah I'm no one's acting like it's the apocalypse they're acting no. like there's a bad nor'easter coming in and they need to batten down for a little while mm -hmm. yeah and plenty <laughs> right. of people die like lots of people die yeah there is you know we, we watch like the gravity of the planet or of the moon pulling people up which i love uh there's also one scene of those three characters i mentioned earlier when they are on the run and like the gravity is starting to pull things up and so they run into like a shed right right uh and close the door and then are fine like it seems yeah. like something bad might happen to them and then just like cut to it later and they're oh no they're fine they were just yeah, moon, moon's gravity's pulling a tractor into the sky but they can yeah. hold on to the 40 pound kid no problem Yep. And I really do love that Michael Pena can drive a Subaru across like floating remnants of Earth that are coming up out of the ground as the as the moon is, quote, causing tectonic shifts. Oh, I thought um, it was a Tesla. What was it? No, no that was no. the dealership What's, that he owns. He, no, he, was, he didn't own a Tesla dealership. What is the... Uh. Oh, what is the brand of car? And you'd think, because they obviously, it's Lexus. He owns a dealership? That's a part of this movie? It's, it's a Lexus dealership. Well, that's why he's so wealthy, and he's got the place in Aspen to take his stepchildren off to. Oh my god, I miss so much of his character. Okay. It's, it's very clear that Lexus paid a lot of money to Oh yeah, Lexus be is in this movie this, repeatedly. Be in this movie. Well, yeah, and that's, that's his dealership. Why? I don't know. Uh, it's because Roland Emmerich... <laughs> Right. Somehow is, is, is it the them. car of the apocalypse? Like, okay. Historically, um, Roland Emmerich's movies have made a lot of money. It's true. They have. Whether they have. or not they're critically liked, they tend to make a lot of money, with the exception of this one. So, <laughs> man, I'm looking. I'm looking at his filmography. I'm having a really hard time pinning down what a good Roland Emmerich movie is. To be totally honest, I mean, Independence Day is a classic, even if it's a bad movie. And, yeah. Um, I like Stargate, but that's colored because I like the TV show more than I like his movie. Okay, I digress. <laughs> this movie, something I noticed about it was that usually in disaster movies, 
there is always the crazy guy telling everyone that the disaster is coming and no one believes him mm-hmm. and everyone scoffs at him. And in that case, right. it's Sam in this it's movie. It's the Jeff Goldblum part. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And usually that goes on for some time, mm-hmm. 20 or 30 minutes. No, this movie goes from him telling everyone the world's going to end to 16 minutes in the West Coast is being evacuated and flooded. That is how quickly everything devolves in this movie. And there's no buildup. It just adds to that sense that there is no sense of urgency. No one cares about what's happening. <laughs> it's just bonkers. I This movie broke me in some ways. But it's it's kind of fun, I guess. I mean, it's, it's fun if you just accept that this is going to be infuriating and stupid the entire time. <laughs> yes. It was fun in in the inventive ways in which it was bad science. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is like the worst science since the core, possibly. Oh, God. Oh, God. It, it, it feels almost like somebody was like, well, we'll fill in a lot of these bits later. Mm-hmm. We'll, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll figure this all out later. Let's just like get it through. And they got like to shooting and we're like, huh. Uh, I guess this is uh, this is the movie we're making. Just I don't know, film it. Yeah, I am impressed that this movie had screenwriters. <laughs> that's that's how I feel. Is every scene Halle Berry's first take? Is what I want to know. It it's like she's be. doing a read through of her lines. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> they had they had Halle Berry like minimum amount of time each day. Yeah, I I do love how this movie at at different points had. Josh Gad, uh, Stanley Tucci, like all these like massive names attached to it. And they still were able to get a great, a great deal on Halle Berry. I mean, I know that Donald Sutherland is in there for like 10 seconds because he shows up as the the guy in the basement, like the old scientist in the robotic wheelchair that's here to tell you about your doom. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's there to explain the deus ex machina. Right. Yeah. That's somebody who had a weekend shoot. Oh, for sure. They managed to get for, yeah, for what, for what I was like, when he showed up, I was like, okay, all right. I'm curious to see. And then, nope, he's just gone. He's gone Mm. again. He's immediately gone again. Yep. Is Charlie Plummer, the guy that plays Sonny, is he related at all to Christopher? No, I looked. Okay. (laughs) I wondered that also. Okay. Interesting. Because he's also in All the Money in the World, which was the movie they replaced Kevin Spacey with Christopher Plummer in. Oh, well, if he is, then it's, he hides the family connection well, but I don't think so. Interesting. Yeah, he's probably not then. So, oh, wait here. Our Charlie Plummer. Pl- no, no relation. Wow. Okay. okay. So um, <laughs> let's talk about the science then. Well, this is the wildest thing since Donald Glover and uh, Danny Glover. Anyway, yeah, science. Right. There's none uh, in this So movie. the science in this movie is zany. I mean, there is a line at which... Samuel Tarley just straight up tells them, your rules don't apply anymore. We're dealing with a megastructure, uh, uh, which is so great because it's such a throwaway line to just give up. Right. This whole movie feels like it was written by a 12-year-old boy. Like, this is how I would have written a movie if I was in middle school. That's how most Roland Emmerich movies are written. Right. Because yeah. it, it it's yeah. supposed to be exciting, right? It's supposed to be like that childlike sense of wonder. But the problem is it's so stupid. Like, <laughs> it's so dumb <laughs> that they can't even suspend my disbelief to be like, yeah, sure. Why not? Well, yeah. It's children's wish fulfillment of like what a little boy wants to see stuff blow up. 
Right. Well, I mean, the hollow moon theory is a conspiracy theory that's been kicking I, around. I for thought a you were while. about to say a legitimate theory. And no, I was no, going no, to no, say no, no, Nicole. <laughs> no, but hollow moon theory has been floating around for a long time, and people think all kinds of banana stuff is inside the moon. Another moon. But this is, you know, like aliens living inside the moon. That's a popular one. Um, oh, God, where is that going? This is the actual one scientific thing that they talk about is a Dyson sphere. And yeah. that's a, you know, it's a theoretical construct. It is theoretically possible, but number one, for it to use a star as its core, it, there are no white dwarf stars that small. The smallest one they've ever found is literally the size of the moon. Right. Right. But none of them would work as a solid shell. Because it's so difficult to counteract the gravitational pull and things hitting it from the outside. And, you know, the whole problem, the biggest problem with a Dyson sphere is that it takes essentially the energy and resources of a Dyson sphere to construct a Dyson sphere. Right. You know, they talk about Dyson swarms of like, you know, little things all in geosynchronous orbit around or solar synchronous orbit around a star or things put together in like a lattice kind of formation or a ring, you know, like a Niven ring going around it. Mm -hmm. uh, those things could work, but making it solid almost certainly would not. So, I mean, it's an, it's an interesting, at least that's a real theoretical thing, right? But sure. It got so co-opted by, wild conspiracy theories that Freeman Dyson actually kind of disowned it. <laughs> he wished they hadn't named it after him. So He's like, oh no, it's too crazy. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, uh, just... Uh, no, no, the she, she... I didn't even have the hardest time with them being inside the sphere with the uncovered star and not dying. Oh because yeah, at that sure. Point, at, at that point, like, you've given up. Like, at that point, it's just like... Uh, yeah, that is true. What what else is there? Oh, I know, but I mean, like the heat and the radiation and the gravitational pull, it would just I, not. Work. So, yeah, where where is gravity pulling from? Okay. They're like growing on the inside of the moon, as if like they could just drive along. The gravity should be pulling them up towards the star. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It should, so and it's not. <laughs> my my biggest problem with this movie is just like this isn't how how the moon works and it's <laughs> not how this works no. this is not how we moon and no. you know it's at, at one point in this movie as if pulling straight from the ending scenes of majora's mask for all you 90s kids out there the moon is just basically touching the top of the earth at one point it literally scrapes the top of mountains as if it is a fighter jet or helicopter rearing up just in time before hitting the surface oh yeah it kisses it this is yeah it buzzes the tower <laughs> yeah and okay so and the world would be just all life on earth would be right. destroyed the, the yeah. moon has impact <laughs> yeah has the, the moon is necessary <laughs> and and this this movie doesn't seem to grasp any of that because after it turns the moon into a giant death star all rules are completely out the window um, mm -hmm. I was I was really hoping someone would say that's no moon, that's a starship, but that didn't happen. That's a bummer. Yeah. With that said, uh, yeah. So there, there's a point in this movie where they want to nuke the moon, and <laughs> it's 
it's could we even do that do we have enough nukes yes okay so that's the funny thing is that we've is that we've wanted to before the funny thing is that during the cold war the air force piloted a program where they proposed nuking the moon and the reason they wanted to nuke the moon was because they had their scientists proof out basically what would happen and what would happen if you were actually nuke the real moon is that there would be a giant like shotgun shell size like crater in the moon and what would happen is that life on earth would not be significantly affected we would not be able to remove uh, the moon from its gravitational pull however what would happen is there would be remnants from the moon that would cascade and they would either disintegrate in Earth's atmosphere and become meteor showers or more likely destroy most space stations and satellites. Do you know why we wanted to do that? Stop Russia. Because we wanted to show the Soviets we could. <laughs> uh... It was a low risk way to show the impact of a nuke to the Soviets. So this was floated at one point. You hear the Zelensky? You hear you this? Know, you want to show Russia <laughs> what's up? Nuke the moon. You, know, you go messing around with nuking the moon, you're going to end up with the world from Thundar the Barbarian. <laughs> and that's no good. So so point being is like, it's like if you were to drop a nuke on the moon, it would not destroy all life. It would actually have a reasonably minimal impact on us. Well, not if it's where the moon is now. No. But if you if you drop the moon on if the you earth, bring the moon close. Yeah, that would be a problem into our stratosphere. Also, how are phone? Okay, phones in this movie. Phones in this movie are these weird throwaway where they try to make it seem young and hip. And literally at the end of this movie. Halle Berry's kids are able to call her on their cell phone. <laughs> I'm like, do you not think that every satellite in orbit just didn't get annihilated by the moon being 30 feet away from the atmosphere? It's almost perfect. I don't know what, like, this almost perfect. The more we talk about it, the more I'm like, no, I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the space shuttle could power straight through a tsunami with one engine. Sure, of course it could. Right. I just want to know how, how like an actor who has been paid in Hollywood, and I realize I'm talking about someone like Halle Berry, who has, who is in arguably the worst Pierce Brosnan Bond film, where I'm pretty sure they laser the moon or something like that, or like the moon laser attacks the Earth. There's a laser in the moon. Wait, that's um, no but, wait, that's Moonraker. That's from that's a Roger Moore. No, no, no. They're the one with that she's in, where they're all on like the giant ice sculpture place. There is like a giant laser from the moon or something like that. Oh, that they melt the ice hotel with? Yeah. I think. <laughs> uh, I That's almost know. as dumb as the moon being a megastructure. She's <laughs> delivered some pretty bad lines in her career, but for her to straight face, oh, are, are, right. like, do not nuke the moon to like, <laughs> is so good. Uh, so, since, since we're mentioning, can we talk about the scene where they are, because Nicole mentioned it, uh, when they're going to do the shuttle launch and they can't because... Oh, one part's not working. And Halle Berry gives this speech that's just like, well, oh, goodness. we all, you know, we all showed up for a weekend. We all tried. That's <laughs> uh, not going to work out. Time to go home. Go home, everybody. Yeah. And then they, and then they launch it without like anybody. <laughs> like everybody leaves right. it for two guys and they get it up there. No problem. <laughs> right. Hey, do you want to try it with, with one booster? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Right. Let's get rid of the other booster and see if the moon will pull us up the rest Wait, of the way. Maybe Let's the moon see. will just come up. Let's yeah. see. 
We'll give it a try. Why not? We haven't asked the moon nicely. Maybe it'll just you know, send a car down for us. Right. And say what you will about Roland Emmerich. <sighs> at least he has one of the most iconic hype speeches in a movie. This is our Independence Day. As cheesy as it is, is an iconic scene because everyone knows it. Should we win the day? The 4th of July will no longer be known as an American holiday. But as the day when the world declared in one voice, we will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. We're going to live on. We're going to survive. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. From that to this... is so sad. It is the saddest speech that she gives. Uh, and this movie, it bombed big time. Uh, this yeah. movie was made for between 138 and $146 million. It ain't cheap. That's a Star Wars movie. That's almost a Star Wars movie. That Roland Emmerich raised himself. He ran around to yeah. like various countries and such, you know, begging for, here, I'll give you production credit if you'll help fund this kind of thing. Yeah. Recent Star Wars movies have been made for a little bit more than that, but like just a colossal budget to not be necessarily self-funded, but certainly be like you said, Nicole, he went around to a myriad of different studios and investors and was able to get this thing made. It was technically an independent film. It was never tied to a large studio in the making uh, until Lionsgate eventually agreed to distribute it for him. I guess Roland Emmerich has dirt on them, apparently. (laughs) Wait, what? No, I know. I'm joking. I'm saying like that's why they they agreed to do it. Uh, Anything's possible in this insane world of Roland Emmerich filmmaking. Yeah, all that money and they still just slapped uh, Patrick Wilson in front of green screens for most of it. Oh my gosh, the green screen. Speaking of that scene where Halle Berry gives her pep talk to tell people to go home and die, it's one of the worst green screen shots I've seen in a modern film where they're all standing up on top of like where the rocket, where you get into the rocket. And it just looks like they're floating because even their feet don't properly really land on the platform when it zooms out. It's really just god awful. Yeah, although there are some shots that look good. You know, the shuttle takeoff through the wave, that looks good. They spent time and money on that. And it looks so good that the kids stop the car. They interrupt their fleeing of imminent death to get out and look at it while while death is approaching. Seriously. Uh, But yeah, some of it looks really good. Some of it looks sketchy. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I do like want when- to call out this amazing paragraph from Wikipedia, which is Lionsgate spent approximately $35 million in promotions and ads, including $12.2 million on TV ads. Social media monitor said online reactions were mixed to negative, while awareness stats were below average for the film. Uh, the film featured brand deals from Omega, SA, and Lexus. Um, social media monitors said that traction ran thin and online audiences, quote, questioned the use of the space shuttle, which has been out of commission since 2011, and chatted about rumors that the movie was heading straight to Netflix while Emmerich was drawing backlash for, quote, hating the Earth. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he has tried to destroy it several times. Oh, yeah, many times. He has. But oh, this is so good. 
the the promotional stuff did not do this movie any favors because number one, it, they make it look like it's a mystery as to why the moon is approaching. And we find out within like 30 minutes that it's, you know, nanobots in the moon that are like driving it into the earth. Well, but there, um, there's, there, there's still a twist beyond that. Well, yes, of course there is. But, you know, that's the basic thing that you get from the final trailer before the movie's actual release. But like the mm-hmm. initial ones, they make it look like, ooh, it's a big mystery we have to solve. Why is this happening? So that we can figure out how to fix it. And... They're so over the top and cheesy, and they emphasize some of the more ridiculous lines in the movie that I honestly, I I think I saw an ad for this before Dune. So like on a huge (laughs) IMAX screen, this ad for Moonfall, this giant bombastic thing. And I was laughing because I thought it was a parody. Gravity wave coming your way. You have to launch now. Did he say gravity wave? On the way. We're underwater, guys. I swear, <laughs> I if thought only. this was a parody until I saw Roland Emmerich, and I'm like, oh no! They- <laughs> oh no! Oh no! He means it. <laughs> Somebody yeah. stop that man! He's, he's made a movie. Someone he's- gave him money. Stop him! <laughs> yeah, he's gonna release it. And that's the thing is at the end of this movie, David and I both called this out in our docket. David, you said wholly unnecessary sequel tease, Batman. And I just said, how dare this movie sequel bait? So. We saved the Earth. We should get started. Get started with what? dare this movie think that it can make another one and apparently roland emmerich when asked about it said like not only does he want to make another one but if it was successful which it wasn't uh he would make back-to-back films at the same time he would just film a trilogy no no. fortunately that does not seem to be happening (laughs) but oh my gosh this movie okay before we talk about the sequel tease we got to talk about the the ai in the middle of the moon that helps him save the moon (sighs) Right, because uh, the moon is a, a twist. The moon's not the bad guy. It's right. the no. it's the Alexas from this distant planet <laughs> who are it's... our enemies. Your ancestors had created a perfect and harmonious world, controlled by a central self-learning computer system, which served them in all of their daily lives. You call it AI. Okay, a tale as old as time. The AI hates being enslaved by this human master race that has completely uh, branched out into the stars and created multiple civilizations and are living on the halo from Halo at one point. Mm-hmm. That's just in this movie. And then the AI is like, hey, being a slave isn't that cool. So they kill all organic life in the form of a lost style fog monster made out of nanomites or nanobites. And they try to destroy humanity. Their own creation turned against them. The AI suddenly became self-aware and transformed into countless swarms of nanotechnology that rose up all at once, refusing to be enslaved by a species it deemed inferior. And that's when we find out that the last vestige of humanity is 
what is our moon that it was the only moon it was the moon that got away right it, it's a human seeding project right was the yeah. Moon. Oh, yeah these are our ancestors right right yeah they, they get a little prometheus it's weird but oh, they steal from a bunch of movies <laughs> and that's the thing is like it's it's so it's so insane but also so unoriginal at the same time because the ai turning on organic life matter after being enslaved is mm. just so so cliche yeah yeah, yeah. in the form so. of a giant lost fog monster so <laughs> it's very t2 the uh oh it totally is the ring and the dyson sphere stuff is very you know it's a science fiction sort of standard but i think we last saw it in elysium um yeah mm-hmm. the, even the talking to the quote-unquote alien intelligence in a glowy white room via the form of a loved one is stolen straight out of contact oh yeah 100 percent. it's just uh. Now, now at the end of the movie though samuel tarley is engulfed into the moon because he has to you know he has to i forgot that he's actually another death in this movie technically that he saved, you know. But they scanned his consciousness, and he's mm-hmm. part of the moon now. Oh my! Right. That is a that is a literal line from the movie, by the way. Right. <laughs> Am I still alive? We scanned your consciousness. You're part of the moon now. <sighs> no freaking way! And you're part of the moon now. And then that, his response uh, is like, rad, man. I can't wait to be part of the moon. Now, okay, if this movie had started with that line, if that was the opening line of this movie, <laughs> I'd be like, okay, let's see <laughs> yeah. where this goes. Have it like right? as an echo over the opening titles, yeah, and then everything else is a flashback leading up to that moment. You're part of the moon now. You're part of the moon now. So the moon then tells him, we have work to do, and then oh, it comes to black. <laughs> And this movie doesn't earn anything it does, but at least of all earns that tease. (laughs) Where do you even go from that? (laughs) I don't know. What is hypothetical Moonfall 2? Do they, are there more nanobite fog monsters that are going to come and like errant moons and like converge on this one moon? Like, I just don't know. Fuzz Aldrin becomes president of planet Earth. Uh, I forgot about uh, Fuzz Aldrin's cat. (laughs) Decides that we need to send a mission out to find our ancestors' home planet so we can capture all that technology and bring it back. Without... So it's literally Prometheus. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. Why should it be original? Yeah, yeah. No, no. Actually, no, you're right. You're right, Nicole. You're, you're, you're on this. Um... <laughs> yeah, wait, that hasn't stopped him yet. Why would he start now? <laughs> yeah, the scary thing, the, the, the scary thing, the horrifying thing is that this man knows where he wants us to go. Because the actor that plays Sam, who is, I'm, I'm never going to really know his name in this movie, at one point told people in an interview that, you know, if Roland Emmerich gets his way, these movies are going to be way more intense than the first one. <laughs> so please, for the love of God, stop him now, <laughs> is what he is trying to say. It's like, please, I, d- I did what I could. Eight seasons, man. It's hard to get work out here now, post got. Yeah. I did this. <laughs> please, I have a contract. I, I didn't realize what I was signing. Although maybe in sequels, at least, they can leave out the side family stuff that's going on. Because there's so much in here. This movie is like two hours and ten minutes, something like that, which is way longer than it needs to be. It's so long. It It doesn't end. Either commit to people having backstories 
or go full Michael Bay and just don't care. Like you have to commit. And I want him to commit to this being bad in the sense that it's just an action movie and I don't have his mom with dementia. This movie would would probably be better if Michael Bay made it because he's just going to lean into the stupidity of it. Right. He'll show some of the destruction, but he's not going to focus on the particular people who are related to the rescuers. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I guess that's something, right? Like it's Roland Emmerich. Like that destruction is Roland Emmerich's whole thing. And like, I wish the destruction was more entertaining. Like there's a reason we watched New York get destroyed because New York is like these giant, you know, it's like, Oh man, giant buildings, all these people watching LA get destroyed. is like, that's just like a bad wave (laughs) rolled onto the shore. (laughs) Yeah. That's going to happen in like 10 years anyway. Right. This is the man responsible for the Matthew Broderick deals with Godzilla attacking New York. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Although at least he went inventive in that. I've never seen Aspen destroyed before. Yeah, that was that was different. That was different. But yeah, you're right. I think Michael Bay is is more interesting. Mm. I mean, at the risk of lauding a Michael Bay movie. What what a sentence. (laughs) What, What an age we live in. Yeah, at the risk of lauding Michael Bay movies, I do think that like I have way more fun with like Armageddon or The Rock than I do with this movie. I uh, I did not love The Rock as much as a lot of people do. <laughs> I will say that the best moment of I got I got dragged to Transformers Three. You poor you poor thing. Best moment of that is the destruction of Chicago. Like by far, it's the best. Sequence. Is that where they is that where they got rid of Shia and Megan? I don't remember. Because at some point they just put like Mark, <laughs> Mark Wahlberg in there with some random woman. So they just gave up on the original I don't know. actors. I don't know. Yeah. I, the, listen, we don't whatever. have time to unravel but, that yeah. right now. <laughs> we don't have time to un- unravel the Transformers franchise. On a different you did this to us, a random Transformers movie. Uh, <sighs> God, there's like nine of them now too, aren't there? Okay. Yep. Well, a couple other things here. I like Nicole's just very pointed, straightforward discussion topic. Why do people like Patrick Wilson? <laughs> uh, you know, he, um, he, uh, no, no, no. I mean, he's the guy yeah. from else? the conjuring universe. And that's really the yes. only thing I know him from is like insidious yeah. and the conjuring. Oh, don't forget yeah. Watchmen. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's Watchmen. right. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was an okay night owl. He did he did pretty good as night owl. Yeah. yeah, he did what the role required. So he works. He's not bad. He's a blank face. I like him well enough. Yeah, <laughs> like you could. He has face blindness blockbuster star where it's like you couldn't get someone that people know the name of, but they at least kind of know his face, and he's just. Right fine he's not going to ruin the movie he's not good right he's just fine he's a that guy that got like a little more famous than most that guys <laughs> yes that's exactly right he has the face of someone you would see in movies and be like oh yeah hey it's uh, that guy he's yeah. in the insidious movies too right yeah he's, he's oh, yeah, in insidious he's in and the conjuring universe. they both take place i think in the same uh. universe Oh, but he plays different people in the two. Oh, no, different... you're right. I'm sorry. They, they, they're done by the same studio, but not the okay. same universe. But yeah, I mean, like so. when I think of him as the guy from from The Conjuring, what, what's that couple's name again? Oh, Lord. Oh, the, <laughs> the famous couple. I would. The scam artists who like made their names off of the Amityville. Uh, the Conjuring house. cast. Really good pie. The Warrens. 
The so, Warrens. So, like, when I see him as Ed Warren in those movies, and I actually like those movies a fair bit. I think The Conjuring is a great horror film, and the most recent one was really weird and interesting. I buy him in those movies because he's he can play off-puttingly sinister in a really good way. Like, I can buy him as a kind of a scam artist who is, even though they're not really scam artists in the movies. Not in the movies, no. I can buy him in that role as this like traveling salesman of ghost lore that can solve your problems. Like that, that mm. makes sense for him in me, in my mind. Yeah. The action hero, not as much. I don't know. Maybe I'm not giving him enough credit. I haven't seen hard candy mm. where he plays like a pedophile. Mm-hmm. What a career now, for the record. We're not saying Patrick Wilson is a pedophile. We're saying no, Patrick no, no, Wilson no, no. Has played. Played. So, I mean, he may have like a, a much bigger range than I'm aware of. Well, he was in uh, Angels in America way back in the day, too. Yeah, you're right. You know he's not going to ruin a movie. He's good yeah. enough. He carries things well enough that it's he's not going to bring the movie down with his mm-hmm. presence. No, for, for but sure. But I, I can't say that I've ever seen him elevate any material that he's been given. To put it in another way, you don't go, oh, it's Patrick Wilson. But you also don't go, oh. Patrick Wilson. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, will, I will call out that I, I do think some of the Conjuring movies are, are quite decent horror films. Like The Conjuring came out of a, and I, we're kind of getting in the movie ghoul round territory. But here's what I'll last thing I'll say about him. He is the king of the early 2010s PG thirteen horror date night movie because. <laughs> When Insidious came out in 2010 or whatever like that, these all these movies came out in quick succession. There was Insidious, mm-hmm. there was The Conjuring, there was The Nun, there was La Llorona, and most of them are PG-13. All of them rely on jump scares. They don't show a lot. They're not especially graphic. Most of them are just like puppets in the dark and stuff like that. And they became huge because i was part yeah. of this demo of like hey we can go and see this because it's not r-rated and we can take a girl to it and like and that was totally a thing in the in the late 2010s was making these edgy horror movies that had an inkling of darkness to them without being r-rated mm-hmm. and he is like the king of those movies like he's he stars in all of them so that is i think is where his niche is I mean, that's where it's yeah. definitely been lately. Yeah. You know, that's where his bread is buttered. And he and it's, you know, him and James Wan working together. Yeah. 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 Um, I'd love to see him try like a comedy, you know, not a romantic comedy because I'm sure he can do romantic just fine. But I'd like to see him go for a really out there slapsticky comedic role. I think he could actually be really fun in that. Now that you say that. Like, Good news. He is in a in a. um romantic comedy starring and i'm not joking harrison ford rachel mcadams diane keaton and jeff goldblum <laughs> it is called morning glory and it is a rom-com is harrison ford dating rachel mcadams in the movie oh <laughs> probably uh, i forgot i forgot that he was in aquaman yeah he is and he's yeah he's the bad guy he's perfectly good he's perfectly good in aquaman or one of the bad guys yeah he's a ocean master yeah he actually got i will give him credit actually in the in the aquaman movie he's delivering really bonkers clunky dialogue and he's doing it with authority and a straight face yeah (laughs) 
And uh, crisis averted, it looks like he is the romantic interest of Rachel McAdams and Harrison Ford and Diane Keaton are together, or at least pitted against each other, which is at least more age appropriate. So, all right, morning glory, we'll give you a pass. Uh, A couple final discussion topics we have here as we wrap up. Um, The music was by Closer and Wanker. And if I'm not mistaken, this is the duo that's done a number of these types of movies. Yes, they've done a number of, of Emrek movies. But I just thought it was hilarious that they were called Closer and Wanker. I know. Yeah, so. that's good. That's good. <laughs> that's pretty good. Okay, folks. Mea culpa time. Apparently, somebody was having a fun old time over on IMDb and changed the name of Thomas Wander to Thomas Wanker. Ha ha. Hilarious. I, well, no, I did think it was funny. But... His name is Thomas Wander, and I wanted to make sure that we got that corrected. But I do kind of blame him for making a piece of music in this movie that sounds suspiciously like a piece of music from Interstellar. I'm going to play the music from Moonfall first, and then Interstellar after, and you judge for yourself. The other thing I wanted to mention is as long as we talk about these movies, what was the last good disaster movie? I want to, I want to put that out to oh, the crowd. I, gosh, I don't last even know. Last good disaster movie. Is it Don't Look Up? I mean, I is haven't don't look seen. Up? I, I, know, I, know, I know Don't Look Up is divisive. I haven't but seen Don't Look Up. Don't Look Up. Really I also good. don't know if that's necessarily like a, I guess it's a disaster movie, but the focus of the movie is not the disaster. Yeah, at least it's not the carnage of the disaster. I mean, the focus is the disaster. It is this impending threat. But Hmm. the whole movie is not just stuff falling apart. That doesn't happen until the end. Yeah, I feel like like a disaster movie needs to have the destruction within it. But I could be wrong. We haven't seen a ton of disaster movies on this podcast. So we haven't really talked about this. But Hmm. it is such a specific phenomenon that is more than just Michael Bay and Roland Emmerich. I mean... Just in the last couple of years, Geostorm, Crawl, Deepwater Horizon, San Andreas. Oh, Geostorm. 13 minutes. Oh, good. Like all starring major actors. Okay. I've got two thoughts, but I don't know. Is it a requirement of disaster movies that you have to see a lot of the destruction or can it be implied? I think so. Or else then it's just don't look up, which is like talking about it the whole time. Okay. Well, it- okay. So I'm looking at disaster films by genre. Cause this is a Wikipedia page I'm now obsessed with. And they are <laughs> listing Titanic as a disaster film. Mm. So I mean, it kind of is. Go where your heart leads you. Because it focuses on the destruction of the ship in a sure. large swath of the movie. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. Well, what's your, what's your pitch here, Nicole? Okay, so you could, in theory, say that Interstellar is a disaster movie. I was thinking about that. That would make sense to me. 
and that the earth is is being destroyed. We're really stretching huh. it because yes, slow, slow <laughs> disaster. Because because what I'm really talking about is like the twisters of the world. But yeah, right. Well, and the scale is a little too small, maybe, but underwater. Okay. Yeah, I see that on this I list here. Yeah. Kind of focuses on destruction and having to escape death by having to evade like one natural thing after another. Yeah, that's a good one. I was going to call out, I wasn't sure because all these movies are so bad, but like when I think of iconic disaster movies, even though they're not good movies, I think about Independence Day, Day After Tomorrow, 2012, as stupid as that movie Uh, is, I have a fondness for it because it's so insane. uh, Another Roland Emmerich movie. Yeah, I was going to say. Waterworld. No, that's post-disaster. <laughs> that's post-disaster. <laughs> yeah. The point being is I just I think it's a fascinating genre and we haven't touched on it a ton and I'm kind of surprised at it because it's almost universally bad. And you'd think that this would be more you did this to us fodder. I'm surprised we haven't done Geostorm as a you did this to us. Yeah. Stop it, David. <laughs> what? Oh, I've already seen Geostorm. You can't know. It's, I've, I've, and it's set out. And I had seen this before. I mean, like, I am impervious. Like, bring it. Like, I have already been through this hell. And Poseidon Adventure is pretty good. At least the original one. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's an interesting phenomenon. But, I mean, that's a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. But last good disaster movie. I don't know. I, I would say, you know, depending on your definition of scale, I would argue underwater. Okay. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I'm sure we'll see more of them in the near future, but it is always interesting to me. So a couple other final, final discussion topics. Uh, just some great quotes from this movie. Uh, the world's <laughs> about to end, but there's one small hiccup. Go home, everyone. David put that in our dog. Yeah, I mean, that's not, that's not a quote from the movie. That's just like how I wrote, like that was that Halle Berry speech of like... Right, right. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah for it's sure. It's like, ah, well, we tried. Well, see ya. Yeah. And and Nicole, I did think that the dancing thing might come back because there was some good banter <laughs> at the beginning of this movie in Toto where Halle Berry was, you know, poo-pooing uh, Patrick Wilson's ability to dance. You can't dance to save your life. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if the aliens are going to make him dance. And if he doesn't do it well enough, they're going to destroy the Earth. The only way to save your planet is to dance. <laughs> the aliens are really in the DDR and it's the only thing that can save the world. <laughs> That's right. All right, guys, I I have to unplug from this madness. This has gone on long enough. You all did this to us. It was indeed a movie. It, it existed. We watched it. It actually was written. All things are surprising to me. Any final thoughts on Moonfall, anyone? Oh, 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 no. I kept, sorry. <laughs> I got too excited. The absolute worst moment. In this movie, the absolute most ridiculous, ridiculous, ridiculous moment in this movie. They're inside the moon. They're getting in like the brandy new moon lander spacecraft Uh uh that our ancestors have built. And they've got to close the doors to keep the nanobots swarm out. And the nanobots can't get in. Because it's too busy making a big solid shape, even though it could break apart and all <laughs> of it go through the door immediately. Uh huh. It it just makes like little tentacles and tries to push the doors open instead of. Just, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a it's a swarm. You don't have to stay in one shape. You can just go right through. Right, you can break no... up into into smaller parts. Yeah, that that, that was bad. I I also do want to call out because I, I just realized this that. 
this movie in the search for funding was produced by Tencent Pictures. Or, or I'm sorry, it was not produced by Tencent Pictures. It was it was in part funded by Tencent Pictures via Huayi Brothers, which is a private film conglomerate out of China. Mm. And I just find that very interesting considering that Tencent as a company in general is kind of public enemy number one in America. I mean, they are the giant data farming uh, Chinese mega company. Do you, do you mean Huawei? No, Tencent. Oh, Tencent. Okay, I thought you said Huawei. For some reason. Do they have uh, money? Right. That's what Roland Emmerich cares about. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, Hawaii Brothers is not Huawei. It's different. But okay, I couldn't see the I call it out. Just... One other thing I do want to call out is that, so Josh Gad was replaced with Samuel Tarley, and, I, mm-hmm. and I, I buy that original casting. I think Josh Gad probably could have played that character. Sure. Yeah. Was Stanley Tucci going to be Patrick Wilson? God, we can only hope. And how much better would this movie have been? Uh, he might have been the Donald Sutherland. Yeah, that's what that I, I think. Or maybe I would love Stanley Tucci to be the protagonist in this movie. That would be so good. Or the original head of NASA who just says, I give up and hands the keys to Halle Berry, basically. That's happened. Yeah. yeah. You're in charge now. Peace. No, I, want, I want Stanley Tucci to save the world while quipping about fine wines and his favorite types of cheese. Like, that, that's what I want from this. I'd have been all for that. <laughs> Stanley Tucci is a national treasure is what I'm getting at I think he All was right. busy making like little pandemic indies you know in his house yes and he was cooking there was a huge part of Stanley Tucci teaching people how to make different cocktails during the pandemic it was amazing God bless him so Stanley Tucci teaches in any case I hate this movie and I never want to watch it again <laughs> so Moonfall there you go I did not hate it it was ridiculous, but I actually had a decent time watching it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's all right. If you're going to watch it, watch it with a bunch of people. Yes. Make a whole night out of it. Have fun. Yes. But don't just watch it at home. No, no, I did not watch it by myself. That's a cry for help. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it's, as quickly as Moon Go Round arrived, it, has, it is now vanishing as we enter a movie ghoul round starting next hey. week. A reminder, Goosebumps kicks us off the 2015 Jack Black film. Very good. Where can we find everyone online? David, what are you up to? People can find me, uh, Davluz, D-A-V-L-U-Z, Twitter and Instagram. Find me there. And Nicole. I am on Letterboxd at Nicole underscore Davis. Very good. You can find me at I am Brett Stewart on Twitter. You can email the show. Hi, H-I at MGRpodcast.com. And you can find all of these links and more at social.mgrpodcast.com. A reminder, voting for you did this to us for Movie Ghoul Round is impending. By the time this ends up in your feed, that will be very close to going live. So please keep an eye out on social media so you can go ahead and vote. This is one of the most fun votings of the year because you get to contribute to what is always at least for us and seemingly for the listeners, the most fun movie go around thing we do all year. So we're very excited to bring that back for a fourth year in a row, but that'll do it for myself, David and Nicole. We'll see you next week for movie go around and goosebumps. Goosebumps.